0: So I praise you, Father, for the truth of who you are. I praise you for your character. I praise you for the way that you reveal yourself to us through this word. I praise you for your spirit who lives within us. I praise you, Lord, that you are worthy of all praise. And I ask you to change this day into a day that glorifies you to make it something that goes up as a sweet, fragrant aroma to you, that, that you are pleased with the offering. And I praise you, Lord, that you will do that. For your heart is for mercy and you are full of grace. So I uh, thank you for what you have already done in um, enabling us to come. And I ask you now, Lord, to open our ears and our minds and our hearts to receive from you all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, If I hopefully you brought a Bible with you. If you didn't, we should have some on the back uh, table. So if you could open your Bible to Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to read the first fourteen verses. So Ephesians chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory." I think you'd probably be hard put to find a more jam-packed passage in Scripture of all that God has done for us, and um, and it's quite amazing to read through and to think about what God is actually saying to us in these verses. And it was here that I began, really, this day. We we'll end up all over the place, but it was here in Ephesians. Uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, that in him we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? Because that blessed is past tense. We have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what that means and what that looks like in my everyday life. I want to be able to experience the blessing that I have already been blessed with." Um, so first, what are the spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with and what is the purpose of them in our lives? And four times in these verses, as you read through, you see that we have been blessed according to something. We have been blessed in accordance with something. And in verse five, we we read it's in accordance with the kind intention of his will, which could be translated for his good pleasure. You and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, for the pleasure of God, for the pleasure of God. In verse nine, it says that he, we have been blessed according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Christ. So God's kind intentions, His uh, purpose towards us, is all in Christ Jesus. Everything that God does on earth is in Christ Jesus. If you want to be loved by God, you must be in Christ Jesus. He sent his love in Christ Jesus. John tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life is found Only in Christ Jesus. If you want the blessings of God in your life, you must be in Christ Jesus. You must receive Christ Jesus. You must uh, be found in Him. And the whole of the New Testament says that. The whole of the New Testament says, if you want a relationship with God, if you want the blessing of God, if you want to finally and go into His kingdom, if you want to be absolutely assured that you will go to be with Him for eternity, you must receive Christ Jesus. Love is found in Him. Life is found in Him. Grace is found in Him and in no other place. It doesn't matter how much you think that God should love everything else and that his love should be spread across the world like jam and that you should be able to pick it up anywhere you want. God chose to put his love, send his love to us in Christ Jesus. That was his purpose. That was his plan That's why everything in in our life and in our blessing as believers comes to us in and through Christ Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about you. I mean, I know you want it to be about you. I want it to be about me. And I love these verses. These first 14 verses in Ephesians chapter 1, I mean, they just... They just knock your socks off, don't they, when you read them. You just think, wow, this is so great for me. But actually, this is all about God and all about Christ. He says it's his kind intention, which he purposed in Christ. He uh, d- blessed us with every spiritual blessing in verse seven because of the riches of his grace, and in verse eleven it was his purpose, his according to his purpose. Everything about the blessing is in Christ Jesus. And three times in these verses we read that the blessing will result in praise to the glory of God. In praise of the glory of God or to the glory of God. So everything was about his plan. Everything was about his kind intention. Everything was about him and having a purpose and his purpose being gracious. Everything was about Christ. And all of it, he says, will result in the praise of his glory. I think you can understand how the Westminster Catechism came about. Do you know the Westminster Catechism? I didn't know this when I became a Christian because I didn't come through normal channels. So um, who knows the Westminster Catechism? What is the purpose of God? What is the main purpose of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That sentence is what the people who came up with that catechism, the the church, decided, actually encapsulated the reason and the purpose for yours and my existence. The chief end of man, the purpose of man, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I hear things like about praising God or glorifying God, I always want to ask, but why does God need to be praised? Why does he need me to glorify him? I mean, surely the angels are doing a great job, aren't they? they don't. Why does he need my praise and my glory? That's a question. Why does he need my praise and my glory? Why does he need me to glorify him, show him to be glorious? Why? Yes, we're alive because of him who said something? Because, yes, that's the answer. And you can't come up with the answer so quickly. You have to wait so that I can say, no, that's not quite it. That's not quite it. No, no, it's perfect. Don't be quiet. Why does God want us to praise him? Because it is good for us. Because in an amazing way that we can never fathom When we praise God and when we live for his glory, we end up being lifted up. We find great joy in the praise of his glory. Why is it the purpose of God that he be glorified by people like you? Because people like you will find great joy when you do. And what can you know about God from that simple sentence? From that simple fact, what can you know about God? He wants you to enjoy him. He wants you to enjoy him. Now, I don't know about you, but I never think about God in that way. I think about God as hoping he'll be pleased with me. And hoping that I'm going to be doing the right thing, and hoping that I worship the right way or pray the right way or read the Bible the right way or understand the right things. And all the time, God's saying, do you know what, Anne? If you could just flip your perspective and understand, I'm thinking, if she could just enjoy me. If they could just find their joy in me. If they could just understand that them enjoying me is the purpose for which I made them, that's a tremendous thought, actually. God has blessed us with every spiritual in the heaven every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ for the purpose the end result of His glory, knowing that his glory and the praise of his glory fills us with joy. That we cannot imagine. Peter will say it in First Peter chapter one. if you're quick, go to First Peter chapter one, verse eight and nine. Peter will get to the end of what he's t- uh, telling them about. And in verse eight and nine, he says, "And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory." obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And although you don't know why, you find this joy inexpressible in that love. Why, when you find that joy that's inexpressible or unutterable, some translations say, what do you know when you experience that joy? What's What's contained in you experiencing that joy? Freedom and peace and get much more basic. Yeah, who said we are loved? Yeah, more in that. I know um, we are loved. In you experiencing unutterable, inexpressible joy, you know the absolute assurance of your salvation. You know that, you know that, you know that, you know that this could only come from God because you can't explain it, because you can't even express it. It's so wonderful. What's the purpose of the spiritual blessings? What is the purpose of you being blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? That you would know a joy inexpressible. That you would know a joy that would reach into your innermost being and explode like a firework in there. And you wouldn't know why or how. And you wouldn't even be able to tell me how it felt. But you would know that God put that there. Now, I'm saying all of that to begin because you may be sitting in this room thinking, I don't experience that joy And actually, I could tell you about my joy that I feel in Christ. And it's nothing like firework exploding in me. That's why we need to understand about every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because God's Word says, through Peter, that that's the joy we should be experiencing. That inexpressible explosion of joy that is unexplainable except for God. The word blessing in verse 3 um, of, first, uh, of um, Ephesians chapter 1 is the word we translate eulogy. Hello, Diana. Find a seat. No, don't worry. Um, is the word we translate as eulogy. And what's a eulogy? When you eulogize about somebody, what do you do? You praise them. You speak well of them. That's what a eulogy is. So in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, what that actually means is God has spoken well of us in the heavenly places. God has spoken well of us by spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, when God speaks something, what happens? It happens. So God speaking well of you means what? It will happen. What will happen? The spiritual blessings will happen. The things that he's named or as thought of as a blessing will happen. When God speaks, things happen. So your experience of those blessings actually is not the the foundation or the marker or the uh, plumb line of the truth of them. The truth of them is that God speaks and things happen. God cannot speak and nothing happen. He is a creator. So if he says he spoke well of you in the heavenly places and he blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, you can be sure it's done. It's done. So now think about your experience of those blessings. How would you experience the blessing, of, uh, the blessing of God if it's already done? He's already spoken well of you. It's already out there. You've already been blessed. How will you experience those? Hmm? You have to receive it. You have to receive it. What does the word receive mean? Take hold. You have to take hold. In actual fact, in Scripture, it often means to seize. You have to seize the blessing. You have to take hold of the blessing. You have to pick it up and wrap it around yourself and understand this blessing has my name on it. This is something God spoke about me so think about some of the things that he blessed us with. And it's it, probably impossible to, to number the blessings that God means in this. But just as going through these, these verses, just to begin with, go through these verses and think about what are the blessings that God has spoken into our lives that actually exist right now. The first one, verse four. What has God blessed us with in the heavenly places in christ this is interactive so just call them out verse 4 what is the blessing of god into to you in verse 4 that you would be holy and blameless what does that mean you will be holy like God. God says in Leviticus, He says, "Be holy as I am holy." And everyone cries, "I can't be holy like God is holy." And a bit later in Leviticus, He says, "I am the God who makes you holy. I am the God who makes you holy." That's in Leviticus of all books. You know, you're struggling to get through. You quite enjoyed Genesis. You know, and Exodus wasn't too bad. But then Leviticus, my goodness, it just about drew you into the quagmire. You thought you'd never get through it. And right in there, chapter 19, I think, there it is that God says, I am the God who makes you holy. God has chosen you to be holy and blameless. He has chosen you. I mean, you know, Ruby. He has chosen Ruby to be holy. My Goodness, and as soon as he spoke it, you became holy and blameless. What's blameless? Without fault, without blemish. God chose you to be holy and blameless. Who did he? Ch- I mean, I've just named Ruby, so you know, I'm not going to go around the room. But who did he choose to be holy and blameless? Because you know. God could choose anybody to be holy and blameless, but he chose. Uh, uh, how did he choose and what did he choose and who did he choose to be holy and blameless? Everyone who believed in the name of Jesus. Why? Why? Because holiness is only found in Christ. You see, as soon as you understand, as we understand that everything from God is found in Christ Jesus, it's simple. Holiness is found in Christ. Therefore, when you received him and he put you in Christ, you became holy. You became blameless. You became without blemish. So when you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror, did you feel holy? Well, maybe after you put your makeup on, girls, right? But not before. Did you, did you feel holy when you woke up? No. No. Why not? No. So use it now, Barbara. Why did you not feel holy? Who said that? Exactly. Because our feelings are deceptive. Because our sight, humanly speaking, is upside down. Because we see ourselves as we see ourselves with our own understanding and our own thinking. We see us as the world sees ourselves. We see us as we've always seen us. We see our faults. We see the ways we fall, the way we fail. We see everything about us that is wrong. And all the time, God says, I want you to use the eyes of your faith. I want you to use the eyes that have now been given to you to see yourself as I see you. As I see you. When God looks at you, he sees people he has called holy and blameless. He is the God, Jude will say, who is able to present you holy and blameless and with great joy when you see him face to face. He is the God who will do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can ask or imagine because he has called you holy in Christ Jesus. What do you think you've got to do now to wake up in the morning and see a holy face? You have to keep reminding yourself of it and you have to keep fighting a battle in your mind that will drag you away to what you think you are that will negate and lie to you about all the things you are instead of you understanding that this is who you are in Christ. And in the end, why does that matter? Because really, why does it matter? Because it's not about you. So why does it matter that you think with the, you use the eyes of your faith? Because it affects how you live, it how you live and... Yeah, it yeah, carry you through troubled times or good answers and... Yeah, and because the moment you decide you will not follow your own thinking, but you will believe God's word, he is glorified. He is glorified in the heavenly places. He is glorified. Angels look on and they say, really, Rosie? In her situation, at her time, having just fallen, sorry, Rosie, I know you haven't, but having just messed up, she can wake up this morning and say, no, I stand on the word of God that I am holy and blameless in Christ Jesus and that God will enable me to live holy and blameless for his glory. And angels rejoice. They rejoice. And you know what? Brian rejoices too because she gets out of bed and she is the person that Christ intends her to be. Rather than the one who says, oh my goodness, you know, it's just such a, who wants this Christianity lark anyway? You know. That's the point. We glorify God amongst ourselves when we believe what he says about us. And we glorify God in heavenly places when we show that as we take hold and fight the fight in our mind. So you are holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that I'm not yet holy. Do you know what I mean in my behaviour? I know that I am called holy and blameless by God, but I'm not holy in my behaviour. So I might wake up in the morning and say, right, there's a holy person in the mirror, but I've still got to go down and have breakfast. And, you know, that's where it all starts. So what is also true about the holy and blameless... Yes, but also, but also, bring yourself in just marginally, bring yourself in. God has promised that I will become what he has already called me. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. And verse 21. He made him, Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So God doesn't just call you holy. He promises to make you holy in your life go back to Leviticus. Um, Be holy as I am holy. I am the God who will make you holy. It's an amazing combination. It's an amazing combination because it deals with reality. It deals with the reality of human existence And and it it means that when someone stands at the front and says, you are holy and blameless in Christ and everything in you screams, but that can't be true because I I don't experience that. You can know that, you know that, you know that, you know that God has followed it with, I'm going to make you what you already are. You are going to become what I have already called you. If that doesn't fill you with joy, then check yourself out. Exactly, exactly. It is now, and it's not yet. <laughs> yeah. So, why is he doing that? Why is he going to make you become what he's already says you are? Why? Because he's promised, yeah, and? It gives him pleasure, and? That's really good, Barbara. It gives him pleasure, and? That wasn't even on my notes, but yes, that's really, and? Yes, yes. And just think about the glory. Why will he make you what he already calls you? Because God's purposes never fail. Because if he says a thing, it will be. Because you cannot fail. Because he cannot fail. Because when you are faithless... He is always faithful. Because when you are graceless, He is full of grace. Because He has promised, and His promises are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. They will come to pass. God has told us that it brings Him pleasure to love us. I just don't want to let go of that. Honestly, I want to hold that thought every day of my life that it brings God pleasure to love me. I mean, really, I don't know what your life has been like. I don't know what your childhood was like. But I know a lot of people do not have a loving childhood. They didn't grow up with parents who loved them or in a loving environment. They grew up in environments that were the opposite. They made marriages that were the opposite of that. They had times when they felt entirely unloved. And the reality is, it pleases God to love you. You don't even have to do anything, and he will love you. Why? Because you are in Christ Jesus. You are in the beloved. And he will make you like his beloved. He will make you like the saviour. God loving us does what? I mean, apart from to you. what? Does, what when, when I say God loves you, what does it do? What does God's love do? Yeah, security sets us apart. God's love glorifies God. His love glorifies God. I mean, really, if you were God, you would have wiped us all out long ago. Wouldn't you? Really? Even the best of us? You'd have said, you know what, This, I'm done. I can't keep loving these. But he doesn't. He keeps on loving because loving us glorifies God. What about verse five? What? How has he blessed us in verse five? He's also decided that those who were born again by putting their trust in Christ, he has decided to adopt. I think last time, if you were here, I said this: that when you, God has decided not just that you would be born again in Christ Jesus, not like a. Being born into Christ, but that you would be also adopted into the family. That's an and, it's not the same thing. You were born again and adopted. And under Roman law, when this was written, the adoption meant you received all rights as the heir of the person who adopted you. And that could never be undone, it was sealed into law. And even if, the person, even if the person in Roman law decided, you know what, I made a big mistake. I didn't want to do that. There is no way they could revoke that. Do you see what God is saying? He's saying, I have adopted you into my family. You were born into it and now you've been adopted into it. If there's another way to love you, let me know and I'll do it. You were born in Christ Jesus, adopted in Christ Jesus. You will inherit everything of God. What's the next blessing? It's verse 7. Yeah, well, the grace is a blessing. It's according to His grace. So, what's the next blessing in Him? Redemption. We have redemption. What's redemption? Redemption through His blood. Redemption—it's being redeemed. You know, when you—you you know, years ago they used to put things in pawn shops. Don't you? I probably still do? But you know, and you would go and you would pay the price for it, and you would redeem it back from where it was. So, you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Brought back from where you were. Where were you? You were in the pawn shop called the world. And, and, and what put you there? Sin. Whose sin put you in the, in the pawn shop called the world? Whose sin put you in the pawn shop? What sin first put you there? The sin of Adam, the sin of our first ancestors, the choice not to go God's way, but to go another way, put you there. And whilst you were there in the pawn shop that's called the world, what did you do? You lived like everybody else in the pawn shop. You sinned because that was the place you lived you lived in a sinful world you lived as a sinner because you were a sinner you were a sinner by inheritance so what does god do through christ i know you know this stuff and it's boring right it's all really boring but if you're bored with this then you should just go home honestly no no i know you i know you're not linda what 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 does God do when he buys you out of... What does he pay? How does he pay? He redeems you with what? With the blood of Jesus. He redeems you with the blood of Jesus. So how much did it cost to redeem you? Everything. It cost everything to redeem you. So tell me, if you think that God should love you anyway, that you don't have to come through Christ... That you know, why shouldn't he love you? I'm I'm a good person. Why would he not love me? I don't do as bad as so-and-so down the road. And, you know, I mean, when I look at mass murderers, I know that I'm not even in the same ballpark. So why should he not love me for who I am? Yes, and... Yes, and... And... Why would he not love you? Because life is only in the Son, in Christ Jesus. When Adam and Eve sinned, they moved out of life into death. And and now God says, okay, here's life. Here it is. But it's not where you live. It's in Christ. If you want life, you must be in him. If you want If you want to live with me forever, you have to be in Christ because that's the way back into the presence of God, in Christ. And no amount of you living wonderfully well, no amount of good things will make any difference because you will be a dead person trying to do good things. You will be a dead person living in a dead world, going to a dead eternity because life is in Christ. And he is the only place where you will find life. You want joy and peace and grace and truth and mercy and forgiveness? You want those things? It's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. Why are all other religions fake? Why will they not get you to God? Because they're all dead. They're all dead religions in a dead World made up by dead people. Only Christ is alive. Yeah, yeah. So, redemption through his blood. What's the next one? Oh, and just in case, sorry, just in case you think that. There's some part of your sin that you did when you were dead in the world that's not paid for, not brought back by the blood of Christ. When Christ was hanging on the tree, on the cross, He said the word "Tetelestai." It is finished. Do you know what that means? When the, in uh, Israel at that time, if a family had a debt, that they couldn't pay, but somebody paid for them. The council, it wasn't the council, but the people went round. They, they went up to their front door and they banged a piece of paper on the front door with a, a nail. And do you know what it said? Tetelestai, debt paid in full. There is nothing that God has not paid for in Christ. Tetelestai, te, T-E-T-E-L-A-S-T-A-I. It's a Hebrew word, Aramaic word. Tetelestai, paid in full. There is no sin in your life, none. Even the one that you want to keep hidden away as far as possible. There is no sin in your life that has not been paid for. Tetelestai, it is finished you have been redeemed. Have you put your trust in the Lord Jesus? You are redeemed by his blood. His blood paid the price. And what's the other side of that coin? Paul will go on to say here, what's the next blessing? Forgiveness. It's the other side of redemption. You have forgiveness. For what sins? What does that mean? All. There you go. That's good, Kate. For what we have done, are doing, and will do, you have forgiveness in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Because what you did and what you will do and what you are doing comes from that separation So you are forgiven. What's the next uh, spiritual blessing? Verse 8 and 9. Wisdom. You have the wisdom of knowing the mystery of His will. Knowing the mystery of His will. What mystery? What's the mystery of God's will? Christ, the the plan and the purpose and the redemption and the forgiveness and the way that God would make things right, the way he would bring you back, the way he would enable you to come out of death into life, all in Christ. That is a mystery that you cannot understand until you receive Christ. You cannot understand it. If you try to explain it to an unbeliever, they will not get it. They won't be able to understand. Why? Because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. They don't have the Holy Spirit who is wisdom. So they can't understand the things of God. But God made that known to you. Why? Hmm? yeah for what purpose why does he want you to know the mystery of his world why does he want you to understand all of this great stuff why so you believe it so you receive it so you seize it and then so that you live like you believe it he said that you live like you believe it why is that important because God loves the whole world He wants everyone to come to repentance. Peter says, doesn't he? God is not slow about his promise, but he is patient toward you, wanting everyone to come to repentance. Now tell me, is there anything worse than a joyless Christian? Really, is there anything worse? Is there anything worse than a Christian who goes to church every Sunday and stands in church and says, Oh Lord, please forgive me, I'm not sure I'm forgiven. Oh Lord, God, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I know Christians who say to me, they don't know that they are going to heaven. I know Christians who, who don't quite re- believe the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. What does that do? It takes away, it takes away joy, but also... also It brings condemnation and guilt. And they live in condemnation and guilt their whole lives. And what do they look like when they live in condemnation and guilt? They look like everybody else. Exactly. They look like everybody else. And the thing is, you know, we know this here. Like, you know, it's like no-brainers, isn't it? You know, we're all saying the answers and we know the answers. But when you get home and you're on your own and you think of something that you did or didn't do and then tomorrow you do something wrong and something you didn't want to do and you still did it anyway. Now what? How will you come out of that? By receiving it by receiving his forgiveness and when you do what should be the result in you i hate the word should what will be the result in you joy and peace and thankfulness and and what will you, what will come out of your mouth praise and when praise comes out of your mouth god is glorified and you enjoy him forever What's the purpose of it all? That you would glorify God and find your joy in Him. Verse 11. Blessing. You have an inheritance. What's in the inheritance? Yeah. Yeah. the praise of his glory yeah what's his inheritance for you? what is the inheritance you're expecting? All the riches and blessings, riches and blessings he has yeah can you list them? You can't. do you know why? Because I has not seen nor mine conceived what God has in store for those who love him. second Corinthians uh, first Corinthians two verse nine you cannot measure what your inheritance includes. It is beyond description, beyond description.